JT and want to welcome you to Resilience Realtime with Peter Sigley. For those of you new to the podcast series, I get to chat with the Chief Knowledge Officer from Springfox on lots of great topics that impact resilience and our associated well-being. Peter has an extensive background in business, all supported with post-grad qualifications in economics, coaching, psychology, and is often sought to provide expert commentary. Last episode, we continued our discussion on the topic of happiness. This episode, I'm looking forward to exploring this topic of growth post-trauma, but I'm not clear on what this even means. Hi, JT. Growth post-trauma is such an interesting topic and one I am really looking forward to talking about. What is interesting that this is something that I've been asked about on a number of occasions just recently. So when we talk about post-traumatic growth, it is certainly something that many people may not have even heard about. Yet most of us can appreciate that out of adversity, we can find or redefine meaning. And again, I just keep finding myself circling back to this Japanese practice of kitsungi, where instead of getting rid of or destroying something that's been cracked or broken, the pieces are joined and lacquered with gold and silver. And the result is that there's something really quite beautiful that comes out of that. So why do I keep coming back to that? Because I see that through adversity, we can enable growth. Uh, We have that positive adaptation and we end up building resilience. So something bigger, better, stronger for ourselves comes out of that adversity. And I think it's a very similar concept. I get that many people haven't heard about post-traumatic growth. Is that because not many of us have experienced trauma? Whilst we've been speaking about this for many years now, I love that Scientific American published an article on this in 2020, and that was by Scott Kaufman. And in this article, he points to the research of George Bonanno, a clinical psychologist, who noted that we have great capacity to building resilience, particularly when 61% of men and 51% of women, these are US figures obviously, have experienced at least one traumatic event in their lifetime. For Australians, the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare in 2020 reported that two studies put the percentage for us somewhere between 57 and 75% who have experienced trauma. So those figures are quite high. And in response to trauma, instead of growth, many people may in fact end up suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's the thing that most people have heard about. And this can result in people having flashbacks, maybe living with high levels of anxiety or being hypervigilant in in many different spaces. What we should note that whilst post-traumatic stress disorder is possible, the majority of us who experience trauma do not actually develop this condition. And so I think that's important to recognize as well. It's not something that every person's afflicted with. That is certainly higher than I was expecting. So for those of us who experience growth after an event, what does that look like? Well, instead of the negative impacts I've just mentioned, what people report is feeling stronger from within themselves, having a new enthusiasm or zest for life, and that their relationships are better. Despite this, I dare say people are not seeking out trauma, right? Sure, I don't think many of us would go looking for trauma, but it does happen and people can experience growth. Take, for example, our CEO, Stuart Taylor, and his reflection on fighting brain cancer. I'd like to read a little passage of what he wrote just recently. When I was first told I had a terminal illness and two and a half years to live, it was hugely confronting. One minute, I'm untouchable, and the next I'm in the hands of the medical system. It took me a while to make peace with this trauma and end-of-life likelihood. With the support of others, I reframed from focusing on this dire possibility to taking action in changing my life. As a result, with unwavering support from family, I researched the illness, understood key lifestyle changes, and implemented a new approach to life. 
At the same time, about a year after diagnosis, I created Spring Fox to help others. What an amazing journey of reflection, optimism, and impact on others. And here I am about to hit my 20-year anniversary. And I have to agree with many people that is such a powerful story. We see so many elements of growth that come through that statement that Stuart just provided for us. That's an amazing example. So now we know what happens, but I am hoping you can help because I'm interested in why the growth happens. Can you give us some insight there? Look, I think it is important to draw on stories like Stuart's and other people's stories and really start to explore why this growth actually happens. And Psychology Today in Australia goes to answer this very question. The reason as to why there is growth seems to reflect a real or seismic shift in the way that we think post-event. So here we are forced out of our strongly held views or beliefs on things and are required to think differently about ourselves, about those around us, and about the very world itself. So I think it's this real shift in thinking that allows us to explore, develop, and achieve the growth post-trauma. Are we not just talking about resilience? I agree. It can sound like the same thing. They are two different concepts, but I do believe they are related. As you know, most people will view resilience as bouncing back. But with post-traumatic growth, this refers to those people who have had difficulty with bouncing back, who have really struggled in response to an event and have, albeit over time, eventually managed to find growth. In fact, what the research says or the body of literature says is that resilient people will not typically experience post-traumatic growth as it is defined within that literature, as we have not taken that huge hit that has shaken us to the very core of our being. But I would say we do experience some growth because we talk about positive adaptation and growth post-event. And we do find growth successfully when we recover from events. So you can see how the terms are interrelated. Okay, so to experience PTG, is there anything we should be doing to make this possible? Well, the American Psychological Association reports that we are more likely to have post-traumatic growth if we are more open to experiences and we are more extrovert. Why? Because we are more likely to try new ways of doing things, to be more active in the recovery process. And this has certainly helped if we are more likely to seek help, to seek support or connection with others. What psychologists look for in determining growth or determining if growth has been achieved is to have people self-report on five different areas and to see if there is some positive response to this appreciation of life, relationships with others. So connecting even with one person is helpful to be able to talk this out and to create space for perspective, having the recognition that we are left vulnerable and we need at times someone to help us just to carry that load for a little while. The third one, new possibilities in life. We are certainly helped when we remember that until we take our last mortal breath, this is not the end of our story. And there is an opportunity each day from this point on to live that full life. Uh, personal strength comes into play here. We know that people will use many different words here. Grit, determination, perseverance, courage, applying sheer effort just to keep going and to eventually move forward. And the last one is around spiritual change. So lots of things there. I would really like to know, what do you do to support someone who has experienced trauma? Well, JT, I am going to say it takes a lot of patience, care, and loss of your own ego in this space. What I think many of us fail to realise is that trauma can resurface and can do so many times over and over. And that pain is as fresh 
and as real as it ever was. We really do do a disservice to those we're trying to support with comments like, you must be over this by now, or that was such a long time ago, really not helpful. We need to respect people's personal space and not assume that everything will just return to normal. The previous way things were done before may not be how it moves into the future. I would say to you, text and ask someone if they're able to take a call or ask them if they want a hug and be prepared for them to say no. I would also say to you, it's about also understanding that they may not come to events even when they're invited or they may need to leave early. Sometimes they just need to get away. So sending messages of support, whether that's text, posting on social media, a simple card in the post, without that expectation of a response is often so very helpful. If you can let them know that no reply is required, but they do know you're there and they do know that you're thinking of them. That's super helpful. Okay, anything else? I would say to you, don't just slip away after the initial aftermath of the event. And that can really easily happen as we return to our normal lives. But to keep making that effort to let people know that you are still around and that you're there if they need you. This unconditional support really does help. This doesn't mean you need to be saying a lot. Often it is very helpful to just provide a space of silence, to listen, to just be, and to have that comfort there for someone. And this wouldn't be resilience real time without this question. If I'm a leader, what should I be doing in this space for my people and my business? Helping a team to respond to trauma and uncertainty sees us coming back to some fundamental skills. First is around awareness of the individuals in the team. Not everybody's going to respond the same and there will be different levels of support as a leader you can be providing. It is likely there will be some who fit into a group who are the worried well. So they're healthy, but they're concerned. Others who have been affected, so they've been sick themselves or knew someone who was sick, particularly in response to COVID. And there'll be those who have suffered loss. You know, they've lost someone and maybe not due to COVID, but it's certainly been part of that narrative because they couldn't go to a funeral. They couldn't travel across borders or they've been in nursing homes throughout lockdowns. So you know, that umbrella of COVID still has an impact here in creating that level of trauma for some people. I would say to you as leaders, have courage to call a space for what it is. There is real benefit in naming grief as it helps put a line in the sand and enables people a space from which to move forward. So naming grief is certainly something I would talk about. And again, meaning comes up all the time. People may find themselves unable to move forward if they cannot find meaning in what they're doing after an event. After COVID, what does this look like now? What does this all mean? So encouraging team members to define meaning for themselves and to seek some link and alignment to what they do at work and what the organisation is about is going to be really helpful in helping people find a purpose for moving on beyond this point of trauma. Thanks, Peter. A very challenging topic. I heard you say how important courage is for anyone wanting to lean into their trauma and let growth occur. Very compelling. Join us next time for Resilience Real Time with Peter Sigley. Until then, keep well. Mm-hmm.